Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. Super bad. More like super gay. (laughs) More like super bat. (laughs) What? I don't know. That was like a hawk sound. (laughs) I guess you can't really hear the noise a bat makes. Anyway, super gay. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate that. Super bad. Oh my gosh. Lizzie. I've been waiting to do this movie for quite some time. Are you serious? Mm Mm-hmm. I literally would never have thought we were doing this film. Really? Until we rewatched it like a week ago. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God. I know. Watching it as a person no longer in high school, I'm like, oh, I'm seeing a lot of shit. I'm seeing boys in sleeping bags is what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's more intimate than that? I can't think of anything else. That's Brokeback Mountain. Boys is, in sleeping bags. It's actually Brokeback Mountain for <laughs> teenagers. Okay. Before I get into that, uh, we want to say thank you to our beautiful patrons. Um, who support us and get really cool perks over at patreon.com. Right now we've got a promotion going and it's about to end. So if you subscribe to our highest level tier, which comes with the ability to vote on our main feed episodes, you get this lovely hat. Ding! And I'll describe it for you now, audio listeners, but it's an awesome baseball hat. It says subtextual. You get to rock our merch. It looks really awesome. And it would just mean a lot if you could support us. But if you don't, want to or if you can't we totally totally get it and we're just glad that you're here with us today yes to be super bad and super gay with us to be super super gay so lizzie how do you feel about this movie when did you like first see it i feel like i saw it when it came out which was remind me again 2007 2007 so i was like in high school yeah definitely saw this in high school god the the 20 aughts had some really st- stupid fucking high school films or just like raunchy films Mm -hmm. and of course we watched every single one of them Mm -hmm. i I guess maybe it was like maybe one of the first ones i saw but it also felt like it set a tone and was like replicated by a lot of other films Mm -hmm. i'm sure it in itself is derivative of other films it's just like quintessential that's the word i'm looking for it's like the absolute like stereotype of that like high school yeah we need to get this thing to go to a party to get the attention of x person yeah film it definitely became the blueprint at like how mean girls you know john tucker must die like everything that followed mean girls was directly influenced so many films following this tried to find that like perfect they try to recreate the the success of this movie but you just can't do it. You can't do it again. I think the film that came closest is Booksmart. Mm. And the parallel trajectory of those two films is so stark. Like, I bet if you press play at the same time, you're hitting the same thematic beats at the same time. And I don't say that, like, in a bad way because Booksmart in itself is so unique and is a film that I love and a film I would love to do in the podcast one day. Absolutely. But it's like the gay girl version of Superbad, which is the gay boy version of Booksmart. So. Yeah, it is so similar. And some shots are even exactly the same, like especially yeah. in the beginning. I'm like, whoa. Like the car scene and that's everything that happens with that. Mm-hmm. And like the the energy of Booksmart is a little more playful, but that like same dynamic between the Chaotic. two friends mm-hmm. of like kind of being codependent having like these secrets and these hidden resentments that come to a head at a certain point, one being kind of like the leader, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. 
Michael Sarah in this film, like, I feel like I try for some reason not to like him as much as I do, but he really is just such a likable dweeb. Like, yeah. Scott Pilgrim, fucking Arrested Development, mm-hmm. Paper Hearts, any film he's in, he's just such a nerd, but he's, you can't help but kind of root for him. He's such a good actor yeah. that it, he barely does anything, which makes it look really masterful. Like, I read that after shooting a good chunk of this film, they weren't certain that his humor was coming across because everyone on set is really loud and like really huge, especially Jonah Hill's character. So they had to put it up on a big screen to make sure that he wasn't getting lost in the sauce. And they like realized the comedic gold that he's presenting. Like if the character of Evan played by Michael Cera was as loud as Seth, I think this movie would be entirely intolerable. Absolutely. Like it has that subtlety because also this character, I don't remember from my first whatever watches, but his character is not, he's like actually a good high school example. Mm -hmm. Like I think one of the things that really pissed me off about Dazed and Confused is that all these high school boy characters were so fucking flat and stupid and all they cared about was sex. And yes, like Evan's main goal is to have sex, but he wants it to be meaningful Mm -hmm. and not with a drunk girl. And Mm -hmm. like that might seem like a really super low standard, but in terms of what other films there are in this genre, it's better than all or at least better than most. Yeah, absolutely. So why are we talking about it today? What makes Superbad super gay? You actually were the one that was like, we should do Superbad. And I was like, you know what? Why not? Like, I trust you. Maybe there's something I'm not remembering. And you were right. You know, I'm always looking for gay subtext. I had seen this film a million times in like middle school and high school. And I kind of left it there in the past because I like remember all the stuff, the funny quotable shit that happens. I saw on a forum somewhere someone said like, oh, yeah, how super bad is gay? And I like was floored. You were like, <gasps> what? Yeah. And then like, I just got subtextualed. I was blind to it. Like, that's the subtext that's like so ingrained in this like fucking party high school movie that I completely lost it. So the reason that Super Bad is super gay is all because of Seth, played by Jonah Hill. Yeah. This is a closeted homosexual mm-hmm. if I have ever seen one, ever, like plain and simple. And, you know, a lot of what he does is cast off as not gay at the end of the film because he just loves Evan so much and they're yeah. such good friends. But there's nothing wrong with that and there's nothing wrong with like having an intimate friendship where you say you love each other. That's perfectly fine. But it's paired with all this other huge red flags. like Rainbow he, flags. Rainbow <laughs> flags. He is so incredibly possessive of Evan. Jealous. So jealous. Like incredibly jealous. And he also has this like compulsive need to cement himself as a heterosexual. Yeah, as like the top dog, sex king. All I he cares about women. is sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are like, because I fuck women. It's like, why do you have to try so hard to present yourself in this way? Like, what are you combating on the inside, my friend? Yeah. And I will, I will note those things when we come to them, but it never for an instant seems like Seth enjoys being around women. Yeah. Ever. Every time he's alone with a woman, he's like signaling to Evan, like, look, I'm with her. You're right. Like peacocking. Mm -hmm. Like showing off. It's giving that scene from Top Gun. Like, oh, whenever Goose and Maver at the bar mm -hmm. and they make that bet, like, all right, time to do the hard thing. Time to have carnal relations with a woman this time. Mm -hmm. It's like, wait, why did you have to specify? Why do you have to? And with, why is it competitive? 
yeah, why? No one is racing you. Mm -mm. You're racing your own thoughts Mm -hmm. and your own expectations of yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, not that this is where this is going to go and not at all what Judd Apatow intended. But I do wonder what the, like, home lives of these two boys is like. (laughs) Like, the only thing we know about their parents is that Evan's mom has, like, a nice rack or whatever. But, like, what was Seth's dad telling him about like masculinity and machismo-ness mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah we'll get into his childhood a little bit later we will yeah you'll see why but um oh, yeah. first let's let's take a look at the movie okay tonight is our last party as high school people you know when you hear girls saying like oh i was so shit-faced last night i shouldn't have fucked that guy we could be that mistake it's my brand new fake id Wait, you changed your name to McLovin? Doesn't even have a first name, it just says McLovin! This guy's either gonna think, here's another kid with a fake ID, or here's McLovin, the 25-year-old Hawaiian organ donor. I am McLovin. Okay, so this film was released in 2007. It's directed by a man named Greg Matola, who has most notably also directed Adventureland, and it's produced by Judd Apatow. That's why you see a lot of people that you've seen a bunch before. Uh, It's written by Seth Rogen and his writing partner Evan Goldberg. That's why the characters share the name. This is like semi-autobiographical. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. That's cute. Actually, part of me was wondering that, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know Seth Rogen was involved in the writing. Yeah, he was meant to play Seth, but he just aged out too quickly because he, they wrote the script when they were 13. When they were 13? Mm -hmm. And they just I mean, it's not like, you know, the fucking Goodfellas, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they kept changing things for years. They were like, what if we wrote a movie? And then they wrote it and changed, had to change a ton of it, but yeah. Oh, I love that. You know, it does feel really grounded in reality. Well, you know, a reality where cops are like that, but (laughs) you know what I mean. Yeah, that's the most far-fetched part, the part that probably did not happen at all with those cops. This movie starts off with Seth, played by Jonah Hill, picking up Evan, played by Michael Sarah, up for school. So we learn very quickly that Seth has like a totally immature view on sex. Immediately. Yeah, he objectifies all women doesn't seem to enjoy any interactions with them, uses them solely to signal to other men, like, I'm heterosexual, I'm heterosexual. Yeah, and he's the only of the trio that doesn't end up with, like, this little romantic bow tied Mm -hmm. up, Mm -hmm. right? Which is interesting. I didn't notice that until we're talking about it now. But you know what bow does get tied up? Gay. The gay bow. (laughs) The sleeping bag bow. I can't wait till we talk about that scene. Oh, yeah. I'll hold it. I think Seth, you know, is is really trying to cement himself as a normal hetero dude. I mean, they're talking about porn at the beginning of the film. And Evan says, that's disgusting. You're like an animal. And and Seth says, I'm disgusting. You're the weird one. You're the weird one for not liking porn. I'm normal as shit. (laughs) Yeah, like me? Yeah, I'm normal as shit. (laughs) And then they go on to talk about a website. And Seth says, oh, I don't like that website. They don't show the dick going in. Have you ever seen a vagina by itself? Not for me. Oh, I didn't catch that. Mm-hmm. Wow. As a person who has sex with women, I can see a vagina by itself all day. That does not offend me. Yeah. But the fact that you need to see a dick. No, that's a good catch. It's sometimes I'm like, what are they trying to say in that? It's just that he's going to say anything over-sexualized? Mm-hmm. Or is Seth Rogen a little gay? <laughs> <laughs> These are the questions I have. Yeah, I don't know. I think they... I I think it was lost on the writers. None of the writers or the producers are gay. So I think this was all just like way over their heads. Uh, We learned that Evan got into Dartmouth and Seth didn't. So they'll be separating for college. This young man was never getting into Dartmouth. 
No way in fucking hell. <laughs> uh, it's funny because he's in Accepted, that movie where they didn't get into any college. Right, they go to like a fucking tech school or something. Yeah, oh, they like that... make up a school to go to. Isn't that Justin Long? Mm-hmm. Justin Long was in this movie. And they had to cut him because the movie was too long. Yeah. It wasn't long. Not Justin Long. <laughs> Justin Wait, Long Enough. Did he have a deleted scene? <laughs> Justin Long Enough. Is there a deleted scene? No, the deleted scene wasn't released, but he Nor. filmed a scene. Yeah. That's a mistake. I know. Strike one. He would have been so good in this. So when Evan's mom asks Seth and Evan, like, are you going to miss each other? Seth goes, yeah, I'll cry myself to sleep every night. See, that was like when we were watching it, that was like the first thing I sniffed out. Of course, he's saying it as a joke, but there's always truth in the jokes. And it definitely seems that Seth is way more upset about Evan going to college and him being like left behind, quote unquote, left behind, abandoned. Well, you'll notice that every time Seth says something intimate or like reveals his like feeling Mm. towards Evan, he follows it up with something compulsively, like a knee-jerk reaction, objectify women. Talk about how I like to fuck women. So he says this and immediately goes like, you're so lucky you got to suck on those tits or whatever. Yeah. And it's like- Mom booby moment. Also, I will say, uh, I feel like we talked about this with another film and maybe it'll come up, but- this character is intentionally choosing for himself, like, the most far-off women for him to get. Mm-hmm. Like, Evan's mom. Mm-hmm. Never gonna happen. Mm-hmm. The Jules, the Emma Stone character, mm-hmm. so out of his league, not even sort of interested in him. Completely unattainable. We talked about this in Cadet Kelly. Cadet Kelly. Mm-hmm. It's like, by yearning after someone who is so unattainable you get to check the box of like oh yes i'm appearing heterosexual Mm -hmm. without being challenged to actually act on it act on it Mm -hmm. that's me at fucking as a teenager being like i love joe jonas i love pete wentz yeah (laughs) oh i mean i did love pete wentz that guy's hot but i was like ah the jonas brothers people i'll never meet wait joe jonas was your jonas yeah he was the most lesbian of the jonas brothers nick jonas is a lesbian woman no it was joe baby with the straightened hair Okay. Remember when his hair was long? We're going to bookmark this for a future fan service episode. Settle it in the comments. <laughs> Which one of them's a lesbian? All together, Everyone's they're Everyone's like, Kevin! And we're like, shut it's up. It's Joe. He wears <laughs> makeup. Anyway. Uh, any hoozles. So at the convenience store, we get more of the, like, Seth objectifying women. He calls nipples little baby toes. Uh, all right. Um, He's just swinging for the fences now. I've never seen, like, a person I'm attracted to and go, like, Fucking little baby toes. I don't know. He also says, it's been two years since I've seen an actual human female nipple. Human female nipple. It's like, why designate? Yeah, some of that. (laughs) Just a fucking weird thing to say. And he's also super obsessed with being good at having sex before he gets to college. He says, you don't want girls to think you suck dick at fucking pussy. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a a fantastic sentence, by the way. Okay, wait, question. How much of this was improv and how much was just line for line? There is a lot of improv with the ad-libs and the reactionary stuff. Like, you see that more when Fogel comes into play. But I think it was, like, mm, 85% scripted, like 50% improv. Whereas, like, in the police scenes, which we're not going to get into uh, with Seth Rogen, like, almost all of that was improv, Seth and uh, Bill. Like, Bill they had, like, an outline of things they absolutely had to say, but they left in a bunch of their improv because, you know, 
He wrote the fucking movie. He can improv if he wants. Those scenes are so manic. And though they're really funny, like, I do think the scenes between Evan and Seth are way funnier because, like you were saying earlier, there's that balance of mm-hmm. Michael Sarah's more, like, deadpan and... Jonah Hill's like losing his shit every fucking line whereas like the cop scenes are just like mania (laughs) topping mania topping mania like it feels like another universe and that's great I think those scenes are hilarious but maybe if one of them had had like some heart we would have I would have been like a little more like attached to them whereas they kind of felt like throwaway. So you're saying like in the comedic sense and in the sexuality sense Michael Sarah's character of Evan is the straight man. Yes. Every joke needs a straight man. Every skit needs a straight man. It's yeah. not funny if everyone's going fucking bonkers. Exactly. And he's the only one that's straight. Anyways. Anyways. So yeah, he has this compulsive need to be like, everyone needs to know I'm good at having sex with women. Yeah, I got to know how to perform. And to do that, I need to try it once. Let me pick the most unattainable girl in school. Well, he's not a virgin. That I've had. I've taken a lot of issue oh, really? with. Yeah, he's oh, had sex. He's- or he has had a blowjob. Is that sex? That's not sex. Okay, we'll come to that later. Okay. We will come to that later. Remember that you said a, a BJ is not sex. You remember <laughs> that. All right. I have a bumper sticker actually. <laughs> says, BJs aren't sex. BJs aren't sex. <laughs> uh, so at the convenience store, Seth starts saying like some terrible objectifying shit about Becca, who's the girl that Evan is interested in. And Evan puts his little foot down. He's like, don't disrespect her. And... It's interesting that everyone that is getting Evan's attention, Seth is really pissed off at them almost unexplicably. Yeah, like just hates them even though they're perfectly kind, sweet people. Perfectly normal. He fucking hates Becca. He hates And he fucking hates Fogel. He does hate Fogel. And we don't get to see why. I mean, he briefly says why he hates Becca, but that it doesn't really Yeah, why do they hate Fogel? Because of those three, well, I'd be friends with Michael Sarah, but I would definitely be friends with Fogel. He's funny. Fogel isn't ripe yet. In like 10 years, he'll be awesome. You know what I mean? But I wouldn't be unexplicably enraged if I saw him. (laughs) Even Evan hates him. Oh my God, dude. Okay, so here's a little bit of trivia. Jonah Hill hated Christopher Mintz-Ploss, the person who plays Fogel. Well, that worked great because he is so venomous to him on on screen. Well, the, the actor who plays Fogel had never acted before in his life. No way. He was like coming with his friend who auditioned. He was like sitting in the waiting room and the producers came out and they're like, who, who is this? You you read it. And they brought him no in. No way. Yeah, they brought him in to read across Jonah Hill. And let me, let me show you a clip. Oh my God. Okay, Lizzie, I'm going to show you a clip from Hot Ones. Oh, the Hot Wings show? I fucking love that show. Yeah, uh, this is uh, Michael Sarah's episode of Hot Ones. Okay. Is it true that Christopher Mintz-Ploss pissed off Jonah Hill during the yeah. audition? Is there a Definitely. story there? Definitely. <laughs> when he left the room, Jonah was like, no, not him. What happened? He was, like, irritated by him. I think he felt that Chris was, like, kind of getting the better of him comedically. Stopping Jonah, like, like kind of, like, blocking Jonah's, like, funny jabs, which made it so funny. I mean, it made Jonah, like, double down, and Jonah getting irritated made him funnier, made Jonah funnier. And Chris just deflected, like, he just, he, he is a guy who does not care in real life. He's really an admirable guy. Um, a little bit more on that before we completely move on. Seth Rogen was on the Justin Long podcast, and he was talking about this moment, and he said, Jonah could tell we thought it was funny in real time. He was absorbing how much we were enjoying it, and it made him angrier. And literally, <laughs> Chris left, and he was like, you cannot cast that fucking guy. If you cast that guy, I will not do this. I can't do it. 
And we're like, dude, you're so wrong. All of those feelings are why we have to cast this guy. And they're right. And they're so <laughs> right. So good. It's funny. These three characters, the trio of Superbad, they're just playing themselves. This, these cast members are these people. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it so believable. Yeah. It's like Broad City, why it works so well. It's yeah. they're, they're characters of like intrinsic values that these people have. So it feels really authentic. Yeah. So I just thought that's so funny. Every time we see them interact, knowing that he fucking hated him <laughs> just makes me so happy. <laughs> He's like, I am not pretending. Fuck Fogel. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fogel's the number one character for me. He's the number down. one guy in the group for sure. McLovin is number one. Okay, back to the story. We learn very quickly in the high school politics that everybody shits on Seth except for Evan. Hmm. And he's like called up Efsler and it's not great. It's like people are clocking him already. And the thing is, I would have sympathy for him if it felt like he could be empathetic. Right. Because Fogel is the only one beneath him, and he, every chance this character <laughs> gets to shit on Fogel, he does. That's true. And it's so funny that, like, like Michael Sarah was saying in The Hot Ones, Fogel doesn't fucking care. Like, that Mm-mm. cast member didn't care <laughs> that Jonah Hill hated him. Mm-hmm. And Fogel doesn't really care that they're treating him like shit, which is a little sad, but also, like, he's going to be fine. Also, bitch got into Dartmouth. Also, yes. the only one who had successful sex with a really in hot person. Film. Yeah, yes. she was dumb, but she was beautiful. <laughs> a beautiful fool. Beautiful fool. That's all you can really aspire to be. In Home Ec, Seth is jealous that Evan is paired with another guy. He, he tells the teacher, it looks like the most fun I've ever I've ever seen. <laughs> They're like tying each other's apron strings. And instead of like turning him around to tie it, like Michael Sarah like puts his arm around <laughs> to tie it. Like pretends to be a cat it's with so a flower. Cute. It's like so fucking cute. It does look like the most fun I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> and the home ec teacher like begrudgingly partners him with Jules, who is played by Emma Stone. And this Love. is her film debut. No. Mm-hmm. You know, she has a minor role in this, but she definitely shines. And while cooking, instead of getting to know Jules, Seth imitates that he's having sex with her for, like, just to make sure Evan sees that that's happening. Yeah, it's, like, gratuitous. It's just so compet to me, Like, even whenever he's trying to get Jules, he's not involving Jules at all. He's not Mm -mm. looking at her. He's not considering her. He's not, like, maneuvering. He's just, like, performing what he thinks he should be doing Mm -hmm. to get Jules. He's manipulating the situation without ever conversing with her. He's like, ah, this woman acknowledges me. I will do steps A, B, C, D, and E to get her unconscious so I can say I've had sex with her. Yeah. Do you even want to have sex with her? No. No, you don't. Also, (laughs) another little detail of this scene is that Jules... And Seth's fucking tiramisu looks like absolute dog shit. shit and dog then shit. the one that Michael Sarah's character and his partner are making is like perfect. It is like a catalog tiramisu. I, I just love that beat. That is so cute. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I love Shipping them. them. So at the end of this tiramisu making, Jules invites them to her house party that she's having tonight. And Fogel enters and tells them that he's getting a new fake ID. Hell yeah. Chicka, chicka, yeah, fake ID, fake ID. <laughs> so at lunchtime, Seth tells a story about when he was a kid. Good ticks. 
being obsessed with drawing dicks. There's so much. Why would you be compulsively? And then, of course, he was getting in trouble for it. His parents. Oh, is mm-hmm. this where his parents come in? Mm-hmm. You said we would talk about his parents. You say, I, I said we would talk about the childhood because there is a lot to talk about here. And he says something like 8% of kids do it, which while we were watching, you mentioned like. Like the, the rate of homosexuals in America is 10%. Yeah. That's so, what they're talking about. That's the, you know, that's, it was like beeping for you. It was like beeping for me. This and poor kid. This poor kid just couldn't stop drawing dicks. And his parents were like, that's wrong. Don't you dare do it. Which, like, of course it's, like, inappropriate. Mm-hmm. You know, he scarred this little girl's eyeballs with this giant veiny dick drawing. Well, but I think it, like, speaks to the larger thing of, like, why is this boy thinking about dicks? He shouldn't be thinking about dicks. He could be – if he had been drawing that many tits – They wouldn't have put him in therapy. Don't they put him in therapy or something? Yeah. So his principal, who's extremely religious, believes that he's like possessed by a demon. A gay demon. Yeah. And so this is the beginning of all the internalization and the fear and this like cementing of it's wrong, it's wrong, I'm bad, I'm bad. It's so sad. And then why he like, he has obviously some sort of compulsion if he's for years and years and years drawing thousands of dicks. He just like reverses that compulsion to be ultra heteronormative mm-hmm. and perform this like crazy, well, if I can't sexualize dicks, I'll have to sexualize women because mm-hmm. that won't get me into trouble because mm-hmm. it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. His obsession with objectifying women is completely like, you know, codified by society. So wow. it completely passes. But you see that there's a switch that flips like. Yes. Something very young told him that him liking dicks is bad, and now he's like, me liking vagina is the most important. You could write a paper. We should publish a paper on this. (laughs) I really could, like, Mm -hmm. you could bring in child psychology, Mm -hmm. biology, physiology, statistics. Drawing. Drawing, art, (laughs) society. All aspects of culture. Yes, exactly. Uh, A quick question for you. Is this a film or a movie? Oh my word. Is Superbad a film or a movie? It's a film. I feel like it's a film. I think I would have said a movie up until a week ago, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's a film. I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> a film. Fucking, if I had a film class, it'd be like, okay, who finished their Superbad last night? <laughs> Superbad. Papers, come on. <laughs> Do it, <midnight>. Gender studies. <laughs> so, in between classes, Jules, played by Emma Stone, asked Seth to buy her alcohol for her party with the fake ID. And Seth thinks that Jules is like signaling to him, like, you're so important to me. That's why I trusted you with getting me alcohol. So he tells Evan that like, we're fucking tonight. Like, we're going to get all the girls super drunk and we're going to be the mistake. We're going to be that mistake. So fucking gross. Yeah. And more on the character of Evan that his best friend is like funneling this hetero bullshit directly into his little noggin mm-hmm. and he still acts the total opposite mm-hmm. of that and is like disgusted by that mm-hmm. i you know it's usually the reverse virtue signaling signaling we're getting from films like this so i do appreciate that there's at least one decent character who's rewarded in the film and the and the seth character the toxic character is not it's yeah. subtle but she there But it is there, and it's a mainstream movie that a bunch of boys like, so I'm glad that they threw that in there. But we're seeing that switch. Like, if he was talking about getting a bunch of dudes fucked up to, like, fuck them or see their dicks, not socially okay. Yeah. Not even funny. Not even a joke. Mm -hmm. Not even something that could be in a movie. But since he's talking about women and vaginas, like, 
oh, it's fine. This is like a funny little subplot in this weird movie. Yeah, exactly. My BS detector. My rainbow flag. I'm throwing it. (laughs) And then Evan offers to buy Becca alcohol and she's like, oh, wow. Give me the gold schlager. Yeah. Gold schlick with like little gold pieces of gold. Does this exist? Gold schlager exists. With pieces of gold in it? Yeah. Little tiny gold flakes. Then we get this incredible scene after Fogel gets this fake ID that having the context that Jonah Hill hated Christopher Mintz Plus, who plays Fogel or McLovin, I want you to watch again with new eyes. McLovin? What kind of a stupid name is that, Fogel? What are you trying to be, an Irish R&B singer? Oh, they let you pick any name you want when you get down there. And you landed on McLovin. Yeah, I was between that and Muhammad. Why the fuck would it be between that and Muhammad? Why don't you just pick a common name like a normal person? Muhammad is the most commonly used name on Earth. Read a fucking book for once. Fogel, have you ever actually met anyone named Muhammad? Have you actually ever met anyone named McLovin? No one's McLovin. McLovin's never existed because that's a made-up, dumb, fucking fairy tale name, you fuck! <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> fucking made up fairy tale name. Oh my god. It's so stupid. I'm convinced this scene and the concept of McLovin is the longevity of this film. Like it is the iconic moment that separates this film from the zillions of other films like it. It's no. so fucking stupid. But it's perfect because this is how seriously I took shit when I was in high school. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't get enraged like that, but like the fucking beer. For the party man? You said your older sister was going to buy it, dude. You know, like, this is the shit that, like, it's all politics. I was running for office. Yeah. You know? This is like Veep, but for children. This is like speed. Like, I can't take my fucking foot off the pedal. If I don't get this beer, my life is fucked. I watched Speed recently, and it was buffering the whole time. (laughs) So the momentum really just... (laughs) It was not. Just kept rebuilding and rebuilding. <laughs> it's like they kept breaking, you know. Like, You're like I'm fucking edging here, man. <laughs> just like, want to see the bus move. Um, <laughs> so after this explosion about the fake ID that looks terrible, Seth calls Fogel the F slur, which he does like a couple of times in this movie, which is interesting because like other people outside of their friend group direct that slur at Seth mm-hmm. and he in turn directs it at Fogel and Evan. Yeah. It's just like a weird deflection, projecting. Right. I mean, I would feel worse for this character because it's like he's a piece of shit, but it's like society has kind of made him a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. But not that that like excuses any of his behavior, but I totally forgot about the backstory. And it is rather sad, mm-hmm. but he's a total piece of shit. So I hope he gets his shit together in college. Yeah. Or at least comes out and starts, like, loving himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they go to the liquor store. Fogel is attempting to buy liquor. And during this whole ordeal, which is hilarious, um, Evan tells Seth that he brought a condom for the party tonight and a little bottle of Sprint Saddle Loop. <laughs> Sha. <laughs> Sha. So cute. Seth becomes weirdly upset. Oh, yeah. About the fact that Evan brought a condom. Like, wait, you were planning to have sex with a girl tonight? He says, that's not part of our plan. It's literally the plan, babes. Or was your expectation that you and Evan get really drunk <gasps> and you just hang out like you always do and have these moments in your sleeping bags together? Mm-hmm. Again, he's like, I'm going to signal with my words what I think I should want. Mm-hmm. But secretly in my heart of hearts, I know it's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to get with Jules and mm-hmm. we're going to end up alone together, drunk and like giggling, eating bagel bites. I mean, to your point, every time they flash back when when 
people are asking him like, oh, what'd you do last weekend? Mm -hmm. And it's like a lame flashback of him getting drunk with Seth in their basement alone. Right. Intimate. Questionable. Questionable. Okay, so as I was researching this film, someone wrote like a full fucking thing about this movie. And at this part where Seth gets like irrationally angry about Evan bringing a condom, they say... The plan seems to be only to have oral sex, leading one to think that Seth doesn't see oral sex as being the intimate act intercourses, just like Bill Clinton. (gasps) That's what they said. (gasps) They be just drawing lines. They're like, and over here, (laughs) screw, connects over here. Bill Clinton, (laughs) gay. (laughs) (laughs) But I just wanted to mention that because you said BJs aren't sex. I did say that. And it is, okay, I guess it's sex, but it it doesn't mean you lost your virginity. If okay. you have oral sex. So this is... I went to a Christian school. I think I would know where the line is. <laughs> backdoor version. Um, <laughs> I'm not even a backdoor version, thanks to Roman. <laughs> this gives the energy of, is this a film or a movie? Is BJ uh, sex? Or not sex. <laughs> sex or not After sex. After you've had intercourse, it is sex. But before intercourse, not sex. So if by that standard, is Seth a virgin? I forgot what his, like, backstory about sex was. He had blowjobs. Yeah, so. So he's a virgin. Is he a backdoor virgin? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Poor little gaby. Uh, okay, so the liquor store gets robbed right as Fogel was about to get all this alcohol, which is so sad. And <laughs> Boo-hoo. Ooh, tiniest violin. <laughs> the police show up, and the police are played by Seth Rogen, the writer of this film, and Bill Hader, my baby daddy yes lizzie's lover (laughs) and they have a complete other subplot with mcglovin that i am not going to get into you know what happens they break the law they form bonds all i know is that on the rewatch originally i never really gave a shit about the subplot on the rewatch it's like probably the only thing i cared about (laughs) (laughs) bill Hader, seth rogan comic genius they don't need lines who needs they them? just need costumes and, and a fake them. gun. Yeah. Exactly. Let them go. Pull the little string on their back and just let them run. <laughs> Honestly, their performance in this film is really incredible. And as the police are showing up, Seth and Evan understandably are freaking the fuck out. And Seth gets hit by a car. For the first time. For the first time in the movie. Because <laughs> it happens so a lot. What is that a metaphor for? Ass fucking. <gasps> <laughs> oh my god. You're right. Dick and balls. Um, so the the driver of the car that hit Seth offers to get them alcohol in exchange for them not calling the police. And so he takes him, the driver of this car takes Seth and Evan to this really seedy looking house party where he is not welcome. The driver of this car should not be at this party. No. We learn this almost immediately because the host of the party like takes him out front and tries to kick his ass. Yeah. At this point, Evan does what's the smart thing to do and fucking leaves. Yes. Because who wants to die at a random fucking CD party? But Seth stays to try to steal their alcohol. So at the party, while Seth is trying to get this liquor, he ends up dancing with this woman. Oh, God. This scene. I literally saw it for the first time and never forgot it. This is not something one forgets. It's so visceral. I've never felt so truthfully that... People did not understand how periods work. (laughs) This was horrifying to watch. The fact that it was written and said yes to probably 2,000 times was shot, then edited, then distributed, and no one was like, hey, 
that's not how periods work. Yeah. So can you tell me what happens in the scene? There's like a good old-fashioned iPod dance party happening in the living room of this house party. And Seth is trying to make his way through the crowd and ends up grinding with a attractive young woman who, in dancing with him, leaves a spot of blood on his shorts. They make it seem like she finishes something. Like, she... They make it seem like she chooses him, puts her vagina on it, not wearing underpants or a tampon on her period, and like a gun (laughs) discharges on him (laughs) with full control (laughs) and then releases something in her. And then she's like, okay, cool. Gets up and walks away. Watch that scene again. It's like, wait, what? Like my period doesn't have bullets that I'm just like, okay, here we go. All right, time to drop a load. (laughs) Yeah, like what? And then like the reaction of these men is just like, yeah, I guess blood is gross. Period blood gross. Yeah, sure. But it's like so immature and Mm -hmm. stupid. Mm -hmm. Why is this a joke we're making? Because they fucking sit on it. And it also insinuates that this is like a downplay for Mm -hmm. Seth, like, this is a negative thing that happens. This brings his morale down. This mm-hmm. brings his street cred down. Like, you, you engaged with menstrual blood. Also, he is so fucking disgusted by the idea that a vagina put something on him. Mm-hmm. He almost vomits. Mm-hmm. So, more proof all around. He's not, he's not happy with the vagina. The filmmakers of this show are not happy with the vagina. Bleeding vagina is not welcome here. There's no single woman involved in any of this to be like, hey, what? <laughs> hey, what? <laughs> Also, this doesn't even sort of come near to passing the Bechdel test. No no way. Actually, no way in fucking God's green earth. (laughs) So he runs away in shame and goes to the basement to try to clean his pants where he finds a beer. And he comes back upstairs and the host of the party is the fiance to the woman that he was dancing with. So he's telling... Telling Seth, like, ooh, you bet you dancing with my fiance. And a whole brawl breaks out. And Seth and Evan, Evan's come back, by the way, to come and find Seth, break away. They, like, completely run away. Break away. It's literally the song they play. Is it? No. Oh. <laughs> Missed opportunity. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's got the beer and the detergent bottles. <laughs> he's got beer and detergent bottles. Which, which I must say is pretty iconic. Poison control is going to have a field day. <laughs> So they're running away from this fight. The cops are being called. In the street, we get the fight scene. I'm going to show you now. Break up. You bailed on me. I didn't bail on you. You bailed on me this morning when Jesse spat on me, and you're bailing on me next year. It finally comes out. How the fuck am I supposed to get into Dartmouth? You knew I couldn't get into Dartmouth. How fucking selfish are you? Fuck, man. So what the fuck do you want? I'm not going to let you slow me down anymore, Seth. And now because of you, I'm going to college, a fucking friendless virgin. Is this about Becca? Is this about some girl, man? I like her. Who gives a fuck? She's some fucking girl. What, are you going to go out with her for two years? What about after that? Fuck you, man. You're a piece of shit. Is this about Becca, man? Some girl? She's just some girl. She's a fucking girl, man. That means nothing when you look at what we have. I just want to say, you guys, I wasn't even looking for it. Like, I was not looking for the subtext in this film. I tried to avoid it, in fact. (laughs) But it's there. It's a lot. This is where we're seeing that other, the otherness that doesn't read as friendship. There's nothing wrong with male friends being intimate. Nothing about that intrinsically signals they're gay. It's this conflict, this like possessiveness, this jealousy, this resentment 
completely unspoken these expectations expectations he has an expectations of a life together mm-hmm. with evan mm-hmm. you know and he's upset that this person is choosing to pull away and yeah that can be friendship too but it's a little intense for what he's feeling like he has structured his whole life path around this one man mm-hmm. it's it's sad to see because it i think jonah hill does an incredible job acting in this character maybe if it wasn't acted by Jonah Hill, the subtext wouldn't seem so loud. Mm-hmm. But there is just this anger underneath every conversation. He's like almost waiting to get yeah. really upset. And you often don't see that in people who aren't either like extremely insecure. Yeah. People who don't aren't happy with themselves, though yeah. they're excited to get mad at other people, you know? They revel whenever someone makes a mistake. In fact, they'll look for mistakes where there are none. I mean, that's this is he is deeply insecure and it's no wonder that one of the few things he loved doing in life as a kid drawing dicks you know Mm -hmm. it's weird but like it doesn't hurt anyone was so heavily frowned upon by every person in his life his peers his teachers his parents and he just got inundated with so much shame which festers into Mm self-hate which festers into insecurity and which comes out as resentment to other people who don't seem to have the same hang-ups as you do just Mm -hmm. trying to quote-unquote be normal Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so well said (sighs) so after this lover's quarrel uh seth gets hit by a car (laughs) (laughs) for the second time second time you know what that means you know what getting hit by a car stands for in cinema ass ass dick and balls dick and balls (laughs) So I'm Freudian. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I've really spiked the Arnold Palmer today. <laughs> um, so the cops hit Seth with their car because they're totally fucked up. And they attempt to arrest Seth and Evan. And as they're doing so, Fogel exits the cop car and they all have this moment of realization. They're all making eye contact with each other in slow motion. <laughs> Doesn't he fucking go like fucking? and he's like flicking his cigarette everyone's looking at each other evan takes opportunity pop up like a weevil and just run as fast as he fucking fast can as get a, fast as get alive so they all run away and they get away from the cops and they get on a bus surprisingly they have like all of the liquor, which is ridiculous. All of the detergent beer. As well, yeah. It's an added bonus. So they finally get to Jules. Seth and Evan are not okay. Mm-mm. And Seth says, you two femmes can talk about it next year at your little slumber party. Oh, God. Because, oh, this is where he figures out mm-hmm. that Fogel and Evan are rooming together. Fogel says, oh, you told him. Oh, this is when shit gets serious. And Seth has another one of those irrational reactions of anger to this knowledge you're not you weren't you're not going to dartmouth why are you mad that he's living with fogel right why, why are, are you mad? this mad and then after seth storms away being so fucking pissed because evan cheated on him apparently fogel says we should have never had to hide our arrangement everyone's in love <laughs> it's a boston marriage uh, I see Fogel like signals to me the kind of guy that's like, I love having friends. Having friends is great. He seems so straight to me. Either really straight or like pan as fuck. Oh yeah, true. Like open. <laughs> For sure open as hell. Fogel's doing open relationships. He's just not the jealous type. He's perfect for 
polyamory, open relationships. Good for him. Oh, he's going to really pop off in his 30s. Oh, for sure. <laughs> he's going to be like Neville Longbottom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah like yeah. you're only getting better as Fogel. You know what I mean? Yes. There's nowhere to go but up. Um, okay. So this is where Seth and Evan's night kind of diverges. And so like Evan sees Becca, who's totally fucked up. And Becca's friend is like, she wants to have sex with you. And Evan says, well, like, if she's fucked up and I sleep with her, that's unethical. And the friend's like, not if you're fucked up too. So Evan goes to the bathroom with a handle of Uzo. <laughs> that's right. Call back to our Mama Mia episode. <laughs> and he's just like downing it alone in the bathroom. That's right. It is fucking Uzo. That's so good. And then like Seth has this night where he's being praised as the hero for bringing mm-hmm. this alcohol. And then, you know, we get to the point where Evan and Becca go up to the room together mm-hmm. to have sex. And She's just a little too drunk. He doesn't feel comfortable having sex with her. She gets mad at him mm-hmm. and then vomits everywhere. Oh. So he goes downstairs and gets like really drunk and passes out on the couch. Yeah. And then we see Seth with Jules and he tells <sighs> fuck. God, this is a red flag of a fucking scene. He tries to kiss Jules and she pushes him off and she's like, "What are you doing?" And he goes, "Oh, we're both so drunk." And she says, "I'm not drunk." And she's like, what does me being drunk have to do with it? And he says, well, you'll never get with me if you're sober. Oh, it's like he is he has learned all of the wrong lessons, Mm -hmm. you know, like I feel like being queer and like almost outed as a young person has to be hard. And like you can either take that and crystallize it and put it inward and become just like a self-hating person or you can kind of learn from it and figure out how to like stand up for yourself. And he's definitely gone the first path. Like he has just turned every learning opportunity into he's going to glean the worst lesson from that. Absolutely. And she calls him out on it and good on her. It's like at either extreme. Like if I can't be gay, I've got to be the worst straight man you've ever met in your life. Yeah. And also like Emma Stone is so relatable to me, and this moment in particular, like, no one wants to be fucking hit on by a person they just want to be friends with, and then Mm -hmm. they, like, make a pass at you, and if there's any sort of intoxication involved, it's just horrible. It makes Mm -hmm. her feel horrible. Mm -hmm. You're a douchebag for doing it, you know what I mean? And Emma Stone really showed up in this character and, like, brought even more humanity to that, and the Becca character as well, like... All the lines are blurred there, but Michael Sarah's character makes the best choice. And that felt really real to me, you know? Mm-hmm. The women. They don't get much lines, but they, they do good with it. It just goes to show that the women in this film who say all of two lines, not to each other, by the way, are still leagues and bounds above our main characters simply by just existing. By just being women. <laughs> because they're not trying to take advantage of anyone. They're not trying to manipulate anyone. They're asking favors solely as favors from friends. They're not like attempting to do anything shady or right. it's just, eh, I don't like it. So after this whole interaction, Seth passes out and like fucking hits Jules in the face and like gives her a black eye. <laughs> Shit. <sighs> yeah. Uh, Very quickly after this, the cops show up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Seth carries Evan out of the party in his arms. See, this is where the redemption arc begins. This is it. And so back at Evan's house, which Seth has carried Evan back to very lovingly, this scene happens. can't believe you saved me. Right. You saved me. I owe you so much. You cared me. 
I love you. I love you, man. I love you. I love you. I'm not even embarrassed to say it. I just, I, I love you. I'm not embarrassed. Love you. I love you. It's like, why don't we say that every day? Why can't we say it more often? I just love you. I just want to go to the rooftops and scream, I love my best friend, Evan. We should go up on my roof. For sure. All right. So just to paint a picture of that scene, they're both in sleeping, in like a big sleeping bag together, laying on the floor, professing their love to each other. Oh. Okay, and before anyone gets all like haughty and upset, you can be of the same gender and say you love each other and that doesn't necessarily make it gay. However, mm-hmm. when you watch this scene, don't make me, don't make me go back on what I'm about to say. Don't make Lizzie get angry. You <laughs> don't, don't want to see her when she's angry. <laughs> no, but the intimacy there, it, it, it definitely feels like a release. This is obviously like the first time they're saying I love you to each other and they're each confronting, you know, there may be like a seed of resentment inside of both of them. But it's only because they do care for each other mm-hmm. and society has like forced them to separate in a lot of weird ways and perform in a lot of weird ways that aren't accurate. But when they are alone, they do care for each other and they do get to see who they really are. And also saying I love you is one thing and saying I want to scream it from the rooftops. Mm-hmm. I want everyone to know that I love my best friend Evan. <laughs> it's, it's a little different. Yeah. Like, as Lizzie is saying, you can tell all of your friends all day long that you love them. It doesn't mean it's gay. But Evan says, oh, I love you, man. I love you. And Seth goes, I I love you. And I'm not embarrassed to say it. And then Evan goes, what? I'm not embarrassed to say it. Like, you can yeah. see what they're both bridled with in this moment. Evan is more like, oh, we don't say I love you to each other because you're so hyper-masculine. You're so obsessed with like fucking women and not being gay and not being called the F-slur. I don't feel comfortable telling you that I love you. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Seth is like, I can say it. I can finally say it. Yeah. I love you. It's like a huge release for yeah, him. Yeah, definitely a release for sure. And you know that Evan is telling his other guy friends that he loves them. Fucking, he's making tiramisu and they're fucking <laughs> hugging each other, playing like... Being the cutest people I've ever seen in my life. He loves that guy too. He loves that guy. And it's not weird, but it's this dynamic. And so I'm not saying that the both of them are gay and that this is a gay relationship that's being depicted. I'm saying Seth specifically has some shit going on. Yeah. And Evan is just part of the mix. Mm -hmm. Evan, I think, really loves women and is heterosexual. Seth, I cannot say the same thing for. In the words of St. RuPaul, if you don't love yourself... How the hell are you going to love somebody else? And Seth has never had the opportunity to consider loving someone else because he is so busy hating himself and trying to put other people down to make himself feel better. He would never he would never acknowledge the love and the affection he has for someone else. Mm-hmm. So this does feel like a little turning point for him that like even if this isn't necessarily a romantic profession of love, it is like an affectionate profession of love. Love heals all wounds, baby. Like, yep. maybe I'm just high, but, like, love heals all wounds. Also, by the way, you guys, I picked this film because I was, like, 420. This will be a fun one. I'll pick a Judd Apatow thing. Nobody in this movie smokes weed for even a millisecond. You're right. They do coke. It's like, why are you jumping <laughs> to coke? You know, why are none of them smoking weed? They just do coke. Beer is a gateway drug. 
Ah. Uh, Dare. Don't, don't do, do drugs. drugs. A. No attitude. R. Respect myself. E. Will educate me. Thank you. See, Dare works. It does. It's a little delayed, like <laughs> two decade delay, but it, it works. Just like shake my head. I'm like, what's, what is that? And it's like, <laughs> Dare. <laughs> two drugs. So after this profession of love, they embrace. We like flash cut to the next morning and they have an awkward what are you doing today type conversation that yeah, feels very after. feels very pillow talky yeah and evan says i don't really have anything going on you don't have to rush off like that seth says cool long beat your mom has huge tits and runs away and we're back we're back we've completely resetted to the previous timeline to that like intimacy Anyways, I'm straight. Anyways, like, hetero joke. Ha ha. Runs away. Like, yeah. God, I can't unsee it now. It'll give him time. Give him some time. Yeah, he'll unlearn. He's the kind of gay where like he might end up marrying someone and having kids before he starts to unlearn. Yeah. Well, he hates women, so. I feel sorry for that person. Yeah. Uh, so at the mall, Evan and Seth run into Becca and Jules, and they both split up. They have yeah. like a moment where they're like, oh, I, I guess I'll call you. I, I guess ha- I have to go with this girl now. And um, it's girl boy time. Yeah. So um, you have your girl boy time. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have my girl boy time. And, and I guess we'll just see each other later. I'll call you. Yeah. And they shake hands. <laughs> they shake hands. <laughs> they separate. Shake hands. <laughs> Which is funny because like he not even like six hours ago, he was like, I love you. I'm going to shout it from the rooftops in front of these women. He's like, I will see you later, sir. Yeah. Shakes uh, his hand. Transactional man. But the shot where Seth is descending the escalator and Evan's, like, walking away to the food court and they both, like, glance back and and hold. That beat is so pronounced. So pronounced. And can I play you the song that's playing during the scene? Please. Love is strange. Oh, yes, I love it. I love it, baby. I wouldn't have it any other way. That's a love song. IBK Lizzie. Um... (laughs) Like, I am not even, I am not even looking for it. Yeah. I am just stating facts. I am just giving you the evidence of truth. Watch the movie again and try to tell me something different. I would love, I would love it. You know what? I've got a thesis statement. I love making a thesis statement. Buddy comedy is just code for man rom-com. Yes. Period. Because- hetero men have to do this thing they have to create all these ridiculous circumstances (laughs) to have intimacy with each other i'm only talking about in movies i mean i mean in real life probably as well but it's just like why sports yeah why men play football with each other it's like can't you just hang out and slap each other's ass normally like yeah why do the states just like have each other's backs without it being like your job to have to do it it's like they have to be forced into it. It has mm-hmm. to be like a circumstance, which is a rom-com. Circumstantial romance. Mm-hmm. Buddy comedies, it's just circumstantial man-on-man love. Rush Hour. Bad Boys. Fast and Furious. Fast and the Furious. Top Gun. You could just hang out with this person. Yeah. You don't have to join the military with them. You don't have to race cars and run from the police. Like, <laughs> here's a little alternative where you just, like, go to their house and watch a movie. Yeah. Anyways. I could fucking, I could. Thesis. That's my thesis. Let's write a paper. I'm defending my thesis. 
All right, on to the reception. No surprise, you guys, this was a massive success. A budget of $17.5 million. It went on to 10 times that in the box office with over Damn. $170 million. Yeah, yeah, these stoner movies make a buck for show. It was all for show. show. For show. <laughs> I'm getting that for show. show. <laughs> that for show. She's like, you got to get me Kyle's Killer Lemonade. It's kind of gay, but I can get that for you. <laughs> getting that for show. Um, also a critical success. It's considered one of the best comedies of the 2000s, and it's widely acknowledged as the defining movie of millennials. I feel that. On to the scores. Lizzie, could you please explain the scores? This is my explanation of the scores. We each get to rate the film on a scale of 1 to 10 on how gay the movie is and how good the movie is. And then we average those to get a single subtextual score. Yeehaw. So, Lizzie, how gay is this movie? You know, you really brought some thickum evidence to this courtroom. I'd say a good four and a half. I am going to give it. A seven. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's blatant to me. I'm giving it a seven. Nothing happens gay. So maybe I'll give it a six. Actually, I'm giving it a six. This is not a straight film <laughs> at all. Sorry. Lizzie, what score would you give the film overall? How good is it? I mean, it's like pretty laugh out loud, funny, a little cringy, but it's got to be. I mean, a six and a half. I don't know why I'm doing halves today, but that's just where I'm at. Yeah, I agree. I'm like right in that ballpark. I'll give it a seven. All right. That brings us to an overall subtextual score of six. Lovely. I feel good about that. I feel good about that too. Just how I feel good about the idea that Bill Clinton might be gay. He's the gayest president. (laughs) I feel super bad about that. Apparently J. Edgar Hoover was gay and the movie J. Edgar, I think, talks about it. So one day I'm going to do a really boring presidential episode. (laughs) You'll be subjected to that history lesson one of these days. (laughs) All right, Lizzie, thank you so much for going through this super subtextual episode where we cover super bad, super gay. We'll see you at the next super subtextual up. Yeah, see you next week for another one of these thickums. It's a made up fucking name. (laughs) It's a dumb, stupid, made up fucking fairy tale name. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to keep this content ad-free, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash subtextualpod. See you next week.